Let's share for just a few minutes. You know, um, something's taking place while Bob is praying over us. And um, I think that it's really important that we take to heart um, the favor, the gift that was being released. And I think that, you know, you take, a, you take a seed and you put it in your back pocket and you can carry that around forever and nothing's going to grow. doesn't matter how great the seed is, nothing's going to grow. And so Jesus only told one parable that I know of that had to do with the quality of the seed. The sower sowed the seeds, uh, wheat and tares. We talked a lot about soil and about the responsibility we have to cultivate what, God, what he gave us. And so tonight we, we received something. And you're like, well, maybe I didn't, feel, I didn't feel anything happen to me. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But, you know, we don't live by the soul, we live by the spirit. And so and I received I receive salvation by faith, and tonight, it was a great, I believe there was a really great impartation happening in your life and in my life, and I, I think it's really important that we, um, uh, Peter said it this way, he said that we should employ the grace of God that's been given to us, that we, there's, we shouldn't allow any grace to go unemployed, like there's no unemployment insurance in heaven, and so... Grace was just released to you to do something that you couldn't do one second before you received it. And so I was sharing with the students this morning, well, actually first service at Twinview, which was mostly students, that grace, um, as Bill's taught us many for many years, grace isn't just undeserved favor. Grace is undeserved favor, but grace isn't just undeserved favor. Grace is the operational power of God. You know, um, you know grace is, if I said a human has two arms. How many understand a human does have two arms? But that doesn't fully describe a human. And so the operational, uh, uh, the undeserved favor is grace, but how many of you understand it's not the full definition of grace? Grace is the operational power of God. Grace is the ability to do what you couldn't do one second before you receive grace. And um, I think it's important for you to understand what just happened to you or what happens to you when God speaks to you, because um, otherwise you don't, you don't cultivate the grace, you don't employ it, you don't, um, you don't, not because you don't want to, but you know, um, Isaiah said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And so I think sometimes we have these amazing experiences, we come to conferences, we come to church, or it can be over, over lunch or whatever, and God deposits this, all the seed in our life and it, there's a potential for a great orchard. And we, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying, Lord, I just, I pray for increase. I pray for, you know, these things that happen in my life. And instead of the Lord handing me fruit or a tree, he hands me a seed. And because I don't, you know, how many of you know that the tree seldom looks like, never looks like the seed? Back up. How many of you know that the tree never looks like the seed? So I'm praying for this fruit in my life. I'm praying for whatever it is, breakthrough in a certain area. Maybe it's finances. And I, and I say, Lord, I need finances. I need money. I need, you know, I need to break the spirit of poverty over me. And the Lord sends me this seed. And I'm like, no, no, that's awesome. Thank you for that. But I need money. <laughs> and, the Lord's, and the Lord's all, if you plant this seed and cultivate it, it will turn into money. You, you know what I'm trying to say? And so um, I think it's the same way with everything that God gives us. It's important that we steward the uh, grace that's given to us. Paul said this in, in uh, Ephesians 3. And I just want to tag this on to what we did tonight and then just uh, give us a little instruction. Ephesians 3, Paul said this, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. Say this. Say, God, God has, made me a has made me a steward of his grace, of his grace for, you. for you. Turn to your neighbor and say this. God, God has, made has made me a steward of his grace, of his grace. and it's for you. God makes us a steward of grace just like you know, oftentimes we think of stewards, like we think of someone as a steward of money. And so we think, you know, we have the story of the talents. And one got one, one got five, one got three. And the guy who didn't steward his money, his talents, 
It was actually a sum of money. I think around in our standards, around ten thousand uh, dollars, five fifty thousand for the guy who got five of them. He didn't steward that well, and therefore the guy who only had one didn't steward it well. He got afraid. He buried it, and the Lord took it away from him and gave it to the one who had already had five, which ended up being ten, which now is eleven. And what I'm getting at is this: is that the Lord likes us to steward the things that He gives us, and I, I think that. The difference between um, people who actually have many gifts and have a very fruitful life and the, and the person who doesn't have much fruit in their life is actually not how much seed they have, but what they've actually done with it. And you know, you can have just a little bit of seed, but if you plant that seed in the ground and let it grow, do you understand in the fruit there's more seed? <laughs> You're jealous of someone else's orchard. You know, it's possible they started out with one seed, and that they, that they were faithful with. One seed that they were faithful with. And um, Paul said to Timothy, take these things I have entrusted to you and give them to faithful men, faithful women, faithful people. And so I think that faithfulness is a quality that God um, instill, wants to instill in our life. And so many times we look at other people and we're like, well, they're amazing, but if you listen to their story, it's not that they had a different experience than most of us did. It's that they did something with their experience that most of us didn't do. Are you following me? I've told this story so many times that, that I, can re, I can repeat it more from the times I've told it than I can from the actual experience. <laughs> you know how that goes? And, but it, it's so... Um, it's so solidifies what it is I'm trying to say. Um, years and years and years ago, I had an experience where I was in the bathtub and, the, and I was praying, where I always did. It wasn't anything really like super spiritual or anything. I read my Bible and prayed in the bathtub because it's the only room in the house that locked and we had four teenagers. So there was nothing spiritual about it. And the Lord, in a vision, walked into the bathroom and he talked to me for a half an hour. And, and this was many years ago. I, I, I guess we've been here for 15. It was probably 25, 26, 27 years ago. I remember that we had a Union 76 station when it happened. So that was quite a few years ago. And uh, the Lord started talking to me about my future. And he was, it was astounding, the things he was telling me. Now, this was, this was three years after a nervous breakdown I had that lasted three and a half years. We were living in a little town of Weaverville, and I owned a service station, a gas station. And the Lord started talking to me about, and a piece of it, I've told this part many times, I've never told the whole thing, I probably never will, but he talked to me and he said, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. Now, we didn't throw around the word prophet much. We had two prophets in our lives that I knew of, and that was Dick Mills and Dick Joyce. And we knew a few guys, I mean, we knew of a few guys that we reverently called prophets, but we didn't know them personally. Um, and so that title, it wasn't, um, it wasn't as common as we, as we would say now, well, that person's a prophet, or you know, we just had Bob come up and, and I introduced him as a prophet. It, wasn't, it, was very, it was not common for us to call someone a prophet. And so the Lord said, I've called you to be a prophet. And I'm like, hmm, well, I'm not gonna walk out of this room and say that for sure. But he said, I've called you to speak to presidents and prime ministers and mayors and governors and, and queens and kings. And he gave me this whole word. And it was really powerful. It was more experienced than word even. And he talked to me about my, my life's destiny and where I was going. And it was, so, it was so huge, so much bigger than I had ever thought of or I had ever prayed about. Like, I hadn't thought about that. I'd never thought about being a prophet. Like, I didn't, like... Someday, I'd sure like to be a prophet. You know, we got people running around like, well, I think I might be a prophet. That wasn't me. I, I'm, I'm just like, I'm thinking I'm going to be mentally totally stable someday. That was one of the goals I had in my life. And so the Lord's telling me this stuff about my life. And I was so totally and completely in shock. And, and, and you know... Um, and the, and the vision, when he was looking at me, I don't know how to explain this. It, I'll, just, I'll try to put it to words, but it was like, 
Have you ever had anybody look at you, but they like, they're looking through you? It's so, uh, the word isn't strange. It, it's kind of unnerving. And the Lord was looking into my eyes, but it was like he could see into my soul. And he was staring at me, and in his eyes, I could see the world. And so he's telling me all the stuff, and I'm just like, first of all, my mind couldn't comprehend it. I was like, it was, it was, my mind was just like going crazy. My spirit was like, whoa, this is amazing. And, and this is the part I've told many times, but the Lord turned to go in the vision. I was still just completely in shock. And the Lord, Lord turned to go as if he was leaving the room, and he stopped as if he was going to use the door, and he turned back to me, and he looked, and he pointed at me, and he said, history will tell us if you believe me. That's what he said to me. History will tell us if you believe me. Now, I don't know what that does to your theology. I wasn't even thinking theologically. I was like, so, so he, you know, the Lord leaves, and I'm, I sat in there for another half an hour. I'm like, okay, what should I do? Well, first of all, I'm not going to tell anybody, because if I tell somebody, I have had a little problem with arrogance in my life. And I'm like, you know, I know, and I heard the story of Joseph, and that didn't work out too good for Joe. <laughs> you walk out, <laughs> one of the bathrooms like, well, you know, I'm supposed to be in charge of this place. I don't know what you guys are going to be doing. Yeah, that didn't work out too good for him. thought there's got to be another route besides the pit prison palace. <laughs> And so I didn't, I didn't even, I mean, Kathy and I are very close. We tell each other everything. I, I, and I'm an external processor for, it's really hard for me to not tell somebody. But I didn't tell anybody out of fear, out of total fear. Actually, you know what I was really afraid of? I was really afraid that I would tell somebody and they would go, oh, well, yeah, are you sure? And I, and I didn't want that to go away. I didn't want anyone to give me like, well, it could have been a, well, maybe it wasn't quite a, I wasn't sure what they were going to do, but I can imagine that telling somebody that, especially where I was back then, would have, they would have thought, hey, you know, hey, the Lord talked to me, and he said I'm going to be the next astronaut. <laughs> yeah, awesome, you know, you know, don't get, you know, you might want to have a backup plan. You know, it's kind of like that. But the part that really stuck with me is when he said, history will tell us if you believe me. And I processed that for weeks. It was like ringing in my head for weeks or my heart or somewhere. It's ringing over and over in my mind. Like history will tell us if you believe me. And so I'm like, well, this is really a strange prophecy. I didn't have a picture for this. Like to me, to me, this, is, this was my paradigm for prophecy. If the Lord prophesies to you, it's done. And you can't stop it from happening. But that experience told me that God had a plan for my life and he gave me everything I needed to make sure that plan came to pass. But I still had to do something. I still had to co-labor with him to see that happen. And so I began to say to myself and to God in prayer, I have to say that he didn't speak to me like that for years again. I mean, he spoke to me, but not like that. I mean, never had another encounter like that for many years. But I began to think about, okay, so I wrote down as clear as I could in my journal everything that I remembered, as close as I could remember it, and the things that he said, and, and some of the things actually I reemerged like years later. I'm like, oh, yeah, he said this to me too. I didn't remember that when I wrote it down. So it was just so much like crammed into a short amount of time. And so I wrote down everything I could think of, and then I said to myself, okay, what can I do? Like, I, I know that if I try to make it happen, I'm going to end up with Ishmael. <laughs> you know Ishmael? Ishmael, Abraham, and Sarah decided to try to make God's promise happen. That was a really bad plan. So I'm like, so I was trying to, like, find my way through this tension. Like, if I, if I go and make this happen, first of all, I couldn't. I didn't know. I didn't know the president's phone number or anything. So, <laughs> I, you know, the, we didn't have a mayor. So I, I wasn't sure how I'd make it happen anyway. But, um, but anyway, the point is, is that I was like, okay, so what can I do? And then I, the ver one of the verses that was really, would, 
would kind of echo in my spirit was, the horse was prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belonged to the Lord. I'm like, okay, that's a great principle right there. The horse was prepared for the day of battle, but the victory still belonged to the Lord. So I'm like, okay, I can prepare myself, but I can't make, I can't call people and say, hey, you know, the Lord gave me this word. Do you guys know a president or a prime minister? Or, you know, are you friends with anybody? I can get invited. I knew, I knew that was like self-promotion. That was going to be a bad plan. I watched Absalom do that. That didn't work out good for him either. Sort of hung by his head, if you know what I mean. <laughs> hung by his head, you get it? Okay, so, so I knew that wasn't going to work either. So I just started saying, okay, well, first of all, I don't know anything about being a prophet. So before I speak to kings, I probably ought to work on that. Like that's probably a good plan. Maybe I should start with prophecy. Like that would, that would probably be a better plan. Like it would be a bummer to get into there, you know, into see a president and then like have no word. <laughs> you know, especially with my education, you know, there isn't much else I could tell him. If I, if I didn't have a word, there isn't like, ah, uh, you know, I've been thinking about the, uh, do you know anything about quantum physics? Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know about the Russians. You know anything about the Russians? Yeah, me neither. So, uh, so I mean, I don't really have anything to say if I got in there and I couldn't prophesy. So I just started to read every book I could get on prophetic ministry. I'm not telling you a method. I'm just I'm sharing with you like that you need to steward what God gives you. Like the most important thing is that you're faithful with what you have. I only have a seed. Well, that doesn't matter. I only have. You know, two fishes and four loaves. Well, it doesn't matter what you don't have. It only matters what you do with what you have. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? And so there's something about just taking what you have. It's like, well, I don't really have much. It's like, he doesn't really need much, actually. I mean, look around. <laughs> we are the perfect personification of there wasn't many wise among you. Although we do have one wise one. <laughs> Danny's pretty awesome. <laughs> so my exhortation is that we would, that we would actually um, take what God's given us and that we would be faithful with it. However small that is, however big that is, that we would be faithful with it. And I, I've watched the people around us, many of them that you respect, and I've watched their lives and. I've um, tried really hard to, uh, for them to follow their example and to, um, to emulate their, their lives and to watch how God's used them. And um, I've you know, shared so many times Bill, the story, Bill and, and, and watching Danny, and we all grew up together. And I, and I watched, there was lots of other young men and women around us with the same experiences, and many of them didn't do anything. Uh, there's some sad stories we, we rarely tell from the podium of people who got the same seed that we did, were sat in the same meetings we sat in, and some of those people aren't even walking with God today. And, so, and, I, and I think of the difference between them and, and some of the folks that, that, are, that are leading this movement, and I'm like, it, it really, and I'm, I know I joke around a lot, but it's really not talent. It was faithfulness. It was people who were faithful with what they received. And I can tell you from you know, our Weaverville experience, to be honest, there was more talented people around us who aren't here today leading anything. And the difference, I mean, I can tell you there's lots of things that, you know, but the difference is really in some people took the seed and they were faithful with the seed. And they took whatever it is that they, that they got, whether it was a little or whether it was a lot. And obviously, we all start out at different places. But they cultivated that seed. They were faithful with it. And that seed grew. And they took that seed that grew. And if you will, they took what they needed for bread and they planted the rest. And the, and the orchard got larger and larger and larger. And um, lots of people... Um, want to kill giants, uh, but they, don't, they won't protect the sheep. They run when the wolf comes, when the, when the lion and the bear comes. They run away, 
And they're like, you know what? If I, if I was protecting people, I would be faithful. And God's like, no, no. If you can't protect sheep, you won't protect them. Like, if you won't do something, if you won't take care of the little job I gave you, you, you really won't. You know, some people are like, if I had a lot of money, I would give. If you have a little and you don't give, you won't give when you have a lot. It's actually harder, believe it or not. The more money you have, it sounds strange, but the harder it is to give. And, and it, 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 really, it really is true that what you do with a little, you will do with a lot. The habits you have when you have a little, those are the habits that you have when you have. And Jesus said, if, you, if, you, if you're not faithful with unrighteous mammon, or if you will, if you're not faithful with earthly money, who's going to give you the kingdom? Who's going to give you riches of the kingdom if you can't take care of natural stuff well? Do you, are you following me? And so my exhortation is, it's totally not what I had planned tonight, but I feel like it's the Lord. I feel like you received something tonight. I feel like the difference, there's maybe, I don't know, there's eight or 900 people in this room, and there's probably a couple thousand people listening to us tonight at least. Um, and I think, um, that wouldn't it be awesome if every single person in this room cultivated the word that, that Bob gave, an impartation. And 10 years from now, we had 2,000 people with that kind of gift. I actually think that was, it's the will of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, when, when this, the Lord poured out his spirit on some of the elders, and I think you shared this story, did you not? Maybe a few months ago? And the elders prophesied, like 70 of them or something, and except for there was two guys that weren't there. They were at another location. And they prophesied also. And Joshua said, Moses, you want me to stop them? And Moses' comment was, I would that all, God says, I would that all my people would be prophets. So, you know, I, I just, I don't care if you're all apostles or prophets or whatever. The point is, is that, that the, the mantle to hear God and move dynamically and supernaturally and to hear as clear as Bob does, is open to everybody. Like, it's like, I'm just gonna give this to Bob, okay? You rest of you, just, you know, if you really need to hear from me, call Bob. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think that we're called to equip the saints. I think we only articulate and demonstrate so that we can replicate. I really do. I think the day of the, the day, I, no, I don't think the day of the superstar is over. I just think you're all superstars. I think you're all called to be superstars. And so um, I just want to exhort you to do something with what you have. Do something with what you have. And, um, and for me, I, I, would, I, would, I got every book I could get on prophecy. As a matter of fact, I don't know if, um, I don't remember who was our bookstore, who was over our bookstore when I first came here, but I had a standing order that any brand new book that came out on prophecy first five or six years I was here, the, I, I automatically bought it. So I said, when they, you know, they send you these updates, like so-and-so wrote a book on prophecy, I want it. I want every book that's on prophecy. And for years, I would read those books. I'd highlight them, I'd underline them. I would go, I went four times to see Paul Kane, never saw him once. Drove all night to see Paul Kane. He was sick every time. <laughs> Didn't see him one time. Finally did see him years later here, actually. First time. But I, and, and somebody else would take his place and, and I would be really disappointed. But I felt like the, I felt like the Lord was like, I, I miss maybe stretching it, but I felt like I was getting the same, the same anointing I'd get from Paul Kane because I was faithful to drive all night there and drive all night home so that I could be at a three-hour meeting so that I can see how people who were more mature than me behaved in the spirit, if you will. And so I do believe that you can do something about what God's given you and that it matters. I, do, I understand that there's a place of sovereignty where God just says, I'm doing this and you can't stop me. I, I get that. I understand that, that this wouldn't fit every single thing. But most often, God co-labors with us. Most often, God goes, this is, this is my plan for you, and then he waits for us to do something with, with it. And, um, and so... So I, I, I just I want to I just want to pray for um, and I I'm going to pray for you I'll finish my sentence sorry I want to pray for you 
I just, I just had this picture in my, my mind of lots of people carrying seed, and you're, you're, um, you're proud of how much seed you have. Like, I have this picture of a guy that had seed bags, like, they were, like, hanging off his belt, but he had no crop ever. And he was bragging about how much seed he had. And he's going from conference to conference and school to school getting seed. I just had his vision just now. That's not God's plan for the body of Christ. <laughs> I'd rather have a little bit of seed planted than bags of seed sitting on a shelf doing nothing and bragging about, let me show you, you show me your seed, I'll show you mine. Like, this is, this, is my, this is my Toronto seed. This is my Morningstar seed. This is my Bethel seed. Who really gives a rip? Really. If you're not going to do anything with it, what, what good is it? And ultimately, the Lord's going to give that seed to someone else if you don't. Someone who will cultivate it. Someone who will do something with it. And so, um, yeah, I, you know... We, we need to not draw this out all night. I could tell you story after story of, of Bill and Benny, and I've told some of those stories. Sometimes it's embarrassing when someone's telling a story and you're in the front row. It's about you. And um, I've had people introduce me, and when they get done, I'm like, oh, my Lord, who's coming to the podium? There's another speaker. <laughs> he looks at and he, he calls my name. I'm like, seriously, I did that? <laughs> wow, I should be proud of myself. Danny and Sherry's faithfulness, Paul and, and Sue, and I mean, the team that you have so much respect for. I have the privilege of watching what's happening behind the scenes. Banning, amazing. That guy has a prayer life. I don't even know who has a prayer life like him. I mean, the guy has in this amazing, and I see, you, know, you guys see Jesus culture. I see a young man in the prayer chapel praying for days on end, no one requiring of him, in the prayer chapel, praying. Drive by, get here early in the morning, his car is parked out there, he's praying in the prayer chapel. I'm like, that guy's going someplace. I'm, I'm banning smart, he's talented, he's all that, but he's faithful. He's faithful. And if I look around at these guys that I've been with for a long time, the ones that you respect, I can tell you, they're all, you know, very gifted and talented, and all the things you think about them are true. But they're, they're in this place because they have been faithful in hard times, in lean times, and probably the toughest test has been in abundant times. That they have not wandered off and let money or fame or whatever the attraction they have not wandered off the track. And, you know, when you're, when you're getting started, you don't have lots of options. But as you, I don't know what's the right word, when you get more well-known, there's a lot more options. And sometimes, uh, this is what I preached on last week, sometimes fame is harder to steward than poverty. And I've watched these families steward both really well. And I, and I thank God for it. And, and I, I, I know, you know, I, you know, we normally preach this is all God, and tonight's message is just about you, your part. <laughs> Maybe your part's only 2%, his 98. Still, if you don't do your 2%, you don't get his 98. I'll finish with this. I, I love T.D. Jakes. I've never met him. Banning met him, which makes me very jealous, which makes me want to go to the prayer chapel every morning and pray. <laughs> I just love T.D. Jakes. I, I love T.D. Jakes. I love Joe Olstein. I just, if I, I, I don't listen to TV preachers much. I, I, I'm too busy watching um, action movies. But anyway, uh, <laughs> shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, I meant football. Um, I don't know why, but the TV doesn't, doesn't feel real to me. I'm not saying it doesn't, not judging anybody. I'm just saying it doesn't feel authentic to me. Just this is the way it strikes me. But T.D. Jakes and Joel Olstein do for some reason. 
And I turned on the TV one day, and, and T.D. Jakes was on, was on. He was preaching. And he was he's doing what only T.D. can do, right? I mean, I could preach the same message, and people would fall asleep. I, I don't know if T.D. ever has more than one point. Like, I've, every time I watch him, he has one point. And he tells stories. And when he gets all done, I remember that story as if my grandfather told me the story. But he's talking about making God a partner for for 10 cents and he has a bag he's got this big bag it's this kind of like velvet bag like you take an offering in but bigger he's got this big bag of, of dimes and you know how big td's church is i don't even know there's but uh, you know it looks like there's tens of thousands and he's walking down the aisles and he's saying you 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 can make god a partner for 10 cents and he's throwing the dimes into the congregation. And the people, you know, it's a black church, man. They're just like, whoa! Oh, they're all going crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I could do that and people would get hurt, you know? That's what happened. They would get hurt. And he's saying, and he's saying over and over, wouldn't you want God to be your partner for 10 cents? We don't, he's teaching on tithing, you know? He's teaching on tithing. He's like, and you could have God as your partner for 10 cents. The guy who made everything for your partner for 10 cents. And people, wah! <laughs> I was the one, wah! <laughs> I've given more than 10% my whole life and I recommitted myself to tithing. <laughs> and he just did that for half an hour. And it was totally amazing. I'm like, I've preached on tithing. I had 48 points on why you should tithe. He had one. <laughs> His one was much better than all the points I ever made. I never thought of throwing dimes at people. <laughs> but tonight, when I, when I, just as we're finishing, I'm thinking, you can do your 10, you know, you just, you're 10 cents. You just give, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't have much. It's like, it's all right. Just give it to God and be faithful and let him multiply it. So why don't you stand? I love Joel Olstein too. Any of you guys watch Joel Olstein? <laughs> He's the only guy that speaks to 40,000 people like this. Well, shucks. You know, that I'll tell you what my daddy used to say. I'm like, dude, there's 40,000 people in your congregation. You're supposed to act like you have a degree in something. <laughs> Golly, you know, the Lord is just so good. I just, when I'm all done, I'm like, I feel so good. <laughs> I'm like, he's just right. Yeah, my mama used to say to me, I'm like, tell me what your mama used to say to you, man. Just the most encouraging man on the planet. People are like, he doesn't preach the gospel. I'm like, he doesn't? What is that? That's good news if I've ever heard it. Jesus is going to fix anything that's wrong with you. That's the gospel right there. I like it. And if I could do that, if I could be like Joel Steen, I would. I even read his books. Anyway, I want to pray for all y'all. And I just, I know you put your hand on your heart once, but I want, to put your on, I want you to put your hand on your heart again, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Pretty articulate, I'd say, wouldn't you? And I want to pray for the soil of your heart. And Jesus talked about seed going out on different kinds of soil, you know, rocky soil, soil with, with weeds in it, soil that had been walked on too much, all kinds of different soil. And I just want to pray for us, not just you. I want to pray for all of us, that God would help us to create a culture where the kingdom can grow. I mean, if it's a greenhouse, you know, I think sometimes we need a greenhouse. We need to protect the seed because I believe that some of the seed the Lord sows into our heart was designed for another it was designed for another climate. But it'll grow in your climate if you 
build a greenhouse, you can get that thing started and it will grow in your life. And some of you, the seed that the Lord sowed in you tonight, you're like, you know what? I'm like anti-prophetic. I'm like, I'm not against it. This is, I don't get anything. You know, if you build a greenhouse around that thing, it will grow. I'm telling you, you can create an environment where anything will grow. It really will. Like healing, I pray for people, they get worse. You know what? If you cultivate, if you cultivate a healing gift according to 1 Corinthians 12, it will grow. No, no, I mean sincerely, it will grow. It will grow in your life. I don't care what your experience tells you. The Bible tells me if whatever you cultivate will grow in your life. And so, Lord, I just pray right now for our hearts, the soil of our hearts. I pray where there's weeds, where there's things that are choking out the seed that even got planted tonight, maybe negative words or, or philosophies or theologies or experiences or something that said, I'm not prophetic, this doesn't happen to me, I never hear God, all of that stuff, those weeds that are just telling me, this won't take root in me. Lord, we just, we, we, we pull those weeds right now. We, we, <laughs> we manage this garden. We cultivate, like Adam, we cultivate this garden, and we pull the weeds out of this garden that are choking the life and the nutrition out of the soil and stealing the very nutrition that my gift, our gift, needs to grow. Lord, we just bless the seed that you put in our life. And Lord, we just, we till up the hard ground as the prophets of old told us that we needed to till up the hard ground, the places that have been walked on, places where we've been taken advantage of, maybe where we believed before and it didn't happen, those, those hard places where people walked on us and created in us a, 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 a sense that we need to protect ourselves. Father, we just till up that soil right now. And Lord, we don't want to be hard-hearted, cold-hearted, loveless people. Lord, we pray that wherever love has grown cold, that you would warm our hearts, that you would cultivate our soil, that you would plow over that hard ground, that you would remove the stones. Father, we, just, we, we pray that you would help us to understand so that the birds of the air can't come and steal the seed, that you would give us supernatural understanding of what it is that you're trying to do in our lives. Father, we pray for that right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray against them. Um, I, I, man, it's so crazy. This, I see these black crows circling around us right now, and I want to make those crows go away. And, and uh, over in my right, I see vultures, like vultures and crows. And, and it's, like, uh, it's like one is the spirit of death, and the other is um, has something to do with intimidation and mocking. And I break that mocking spirit in Jesus' name that, is, that mocks you, that you leave here and, it's, and, it, and it flies around you and it tells you that wasn't for you. It's never going to be you. It's never going to be your family. You know what? Remember your shame. Remember, remember the things you've done wrong. Remember the sin you committed. And, and those mocking birds, they're, but they're black. And I just, I, I, they're coming from outer darkness. And Lord, I just, I tell those birds right now in Jesus' name, that every one of those birds right now, they would just die right now on the spot. They would just fall out of the air dead in Jesus' name. You would create an atmosphere they couldn't breathe in and that they would just die in Jesus' name. Now I want to deal with these, with these vultures that they're just like, they smell death around you. And I, I break the power of death in Jesus' name. Death in relationships, there's several of you, there's... There's a, there's a person, and maybe there's many, but I see specifically, and this may be representative of lots of people, you've had three marriages, and you just can't make relationships work. And, and you, you don't have a bad heart, just things keep going wrong. But I think it's representative of, I think that's true of, of, of a person, but I think it's representative of why these, these vultures are, are, are flying around. You, you just, there's so many people, you just... Broken relationships, abandonment issues, your father, your mother abandoned you, your divorce, uh, um, just you long to be loved, and those vultures, you can just almost see them. Several of you have had dreams of vultures. They're just waiting for you to die. It feels like they're just waiting for you to die. Mm. 
Keep your eyes closed for a minute. If you've had dreams of vultures recently, would you raise your hand? It's so strong. I just, would you raise your hand? You have dreams of vultures recently, like in the last month or two. Just raise them high just for a minute. I just, several of you. God, we just break the power of the vultures, the spirit of death in Jesus' name. And, and, And we break that foreboding spirit that says something's about to go wrong. And we release blessing that says, all things work together for good. Lord, we release that over people right now. Over every circumstance and situation. Um, um, that, that spirit says you're always going to be broke. There's never going to be enough. Mm. Lord, we just release that over you in Jesus' name. We release that over these people, your people, the people watching by Bethel TV, the people in overflow rooms. We just break that, oh, oh, a whole, I just saw this picture of just a whole group of, what do you call a group? Doves. Doves. Flock. Sorry, whatever. A flock of doves just were flying around us. They were just landing on people everywhere. Just like this flock of doves. Lord, we just release the dove over people. Guide us, lead us, comfort us. Challenge us. Discipline us. Thank you, Lord. We just release the doves right now in Jesus' name. And the eagles. I see eagles landing in several, in the three or four corners of the room. Eagles. And Lord, we just release the eagles. Thank you, Lord. We release owls. You can see in the night, too. Lord, we just pray for that in Jesus' name. Yeah. Eagles don't like vultures, either. We just thank you, Lord. We just release a, a new sense of purpose and destiny in people. In Jesus' name. There's, uh, there's several people that have, you have a physically, you have, a heart, you have heart problems. Would you raise your hand? You have a heart problem. Physically, you have a heart problem. It's, it's, I'm talking about physically. Would you raise your hand high? Those people that have a heart problem, would you just put your hand on their shoulders, please? We're going to pray. God, I saw the Lord... Um, a not healing heart, I saw him giving you a transplant. I mean, right now, right here. And Lord, we just, just, I want you just to pray right now for the Lord to heal their heart, their physical heart. Just pray right now. Pray for their heart. Bob, thank you. You did awesome. Pray for their heart right now. In Jesus' name. New heart. New arteries. And also uh, just the, the whole circulatory system around the heart. And I'm sorry, I don't know anything about anatomy, but it has to do something with the lungs too. I see it in pictures. And I see this black, all this black um, kind of like um, um, arteries and veins um, I see them turning red. And Lord, we just, we just release that over people right now. That their heart, their heart trouble would be, become normal. They're breathing. I don't know what that has to do with breathing, but whatever. Lord, I just release that in Jesus' name. Does that have something to do with breathing? Lord, we just release that in Jesus' name over people that you would heal them completely. Thank you, Lord. Um, okay, we're going to pray... Uh, if you can, I don't know how you check that out, but uh, one more, um, and guys, if you guys have something, you can feel free to come up here and take over, or anyone can come and take over in a minute. Um, one more, I, I want to pray for, uh, you have a problem, people that have problems in their colon, their digestive system, and I, I specifically saw bleeding and, um, and tumors and, and things that had to do with the colon. I don't want to be too graphic, but for just... Um, uh, if that's you, would you raise your hand? The Lord's, I, I had severe colon problems for years, and the Lord's completely and totally healed me. Would you raise your hand? We're going to pray for you. Maybe you have colitis, but I don't want to limit it to that. Okay, irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, Crohn's disease. Anything that has to do with the digestive system. And would you just, would you just raise your hand, especially, but not limited to, if you have bleeding. You have bleeding of any kind. 
raise your hand. We're going to pray for you right now. Just lay your hands on their shoulder and just command that, that digestive system to be completely and totally healed. Right now. In Jesus' name. Yeah, is there someone named Michelle that has that specific problem? Right here? Okay, God's healing you right now. Chris, you might just want to jump in there. God's healing you right now. Thank you, Lord. We just release. Okay, Lord, we just release this um, people from this colon disorder, uh, this, this digestive disorder in Jesus' name, and we release healthy, new digestive system. Whatever's wrong, in Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Um, and then one, one more, and then I'll let some of the team kind of come up and do something wherever we're going to go. Um, Somebody has a brain disorder. I don't know exactly what it is. It's not schizophrenia or it's not a mental disorder. It's actually something wrong with your brain, physically wrong with your brain. And it's really rare. And you're in the room. I don't know who it is, but it's really rare. You're in the room. It's got a long name to it. And you've been diagnosed. And it's incurable. Is that, is that you? Is that you? I want you to step out in the aisle right there. Kevin, go put your hands on her. And the Lord's going to heal you right now, right here tonight. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just release this right now. We just add our faith to what's happening there with Kevin and this beautiful woman. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Kevin. Was there something to do with her being struck with an object or anything like that? No? Yeah, because I saw her being struck with an object, like a piece of metal or, is that true? A board, okay. So, Lord, we just, we break the power of that emotional trauma too. In Jesus' name, we break that over her in the name of Jesus. We release you from the trauma, we release you from the rejection, we release you from the, I don't know, it was almost like a negative prophetic declaration came with that. And we break that over you, we break that over you emotionally, what it did to your, um, to your uh, emotional person and to your uh, spirit man. Lord, we just release this woman from that trauma in Jesus' name. And the Lord says he's healing you spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Do you, do you have symptoms that, you can, uh, that are gone or anything yet? Okay, great, perfect. Yeah. Sir, you're in a red shirt. You're, you're standing. Uh, I, can't, uh, I can't honestly see that far, but I see you're in a red shirt. You're standing on the stands. You see, can you see me? Yes, raise your hand. I have a word for you. Um, I, I saw the, you know, it says, weeping endures through the night, but joy comes in the morning. And the Lord says it's morning. And, um, and it's, a, it's, it's, uh, it's, a new, it's a new season um, for you. And I saw, uh, I saw you laboring and laboring and laboring and it resulting in nothing. Like things get, you know, things get blown away. Things, promises that get made don't ever come to pass. People make you promises that doesn't happen. And, um, and the Lord says, I'm reversing the magnets. 
I'm reversing the magnets and things are gonna stick to you, like good stuff are gonna stick to you, gonna be attracted to you. And I don't mean this about any of you that are sitting in the stands, but this is a, you, you're sitting in the stands specifically because you're sitting where you feel like you prophetically belong. Now, I don't mean that against anybody, so please don't take that personal. But that's what the Lord says, that you're sitting where you think you prophetically belong. And the Lord says, but you, brought, you belong way up here in the front. The Lord's called you to lead. He's called you to lead. And, um, and Joshua chapter one is your chapter, and you know that chapter, right? That you're to be strong and courageous. You're not to be dismayed or discouraged or depressed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And um, I saw the Lord removing these dark, dark sunglasses, and they were only on you when you went to read the Bible. And the Lord says, I'm gonna take those off, and I'm gonna put a spirit of revelation on you. Just put your hands out like this. Lord, just, the, there's a couple people around. Just touch his shoulders. We release right now a new anointing for a new season. And I see you taking off this old ratty coat. It's just this ratty coat. Looks like a, something a transient would wear. I see you just taking off this old ratty coat and someone giving you this really nice like suit coat, and you're like, I can't wear that. And the Lord's all, no, no, you fit in that since you were little, you just didn't know it. And you've been wearing the wrong, there's nothing wrong with the ratty coat, but it doesn't fit who you are. And so Lord, we just release that over them, over him, in Jesus' name, and we release uh, inventions and innovation especially in the area of uh, information uh, technology, in Jesus' name. Lord, we open up new patents and uh, new ideas for software and, um, and, and whatever. If you've never worked in software, then you should start. <laughs> Jesus' name. Huh? Oh, good, yeah. So, Chris, this is the gal, uh, she had the brain injury. Oh, you're beautiful, too. And, uh, That's awesome. <laughs> Are you married? We can fix that, too. <laughs> and uh, five years ago, what happened? I mean, you were struck with something. Uh, um, yeah, I was struck with a wood board over the head. We were moving into a new house, and um, he, one of my cousins just turned around, and I just got whapped right across the head, and I fell to the floor. And so you've had pain in your head for the last five years, yeah, um, I actually have um, terminal brain systemic lupus, and um, what's it called? Terminal brain systemic lupus. Mm. Um, That's that long <laughs> word that you were talking about that we can still repeat, even <laughs> though we've I just heard it. it now. <laughs> um, I actually will black out and become unconscious. The longest I've become unconscious was um, a month and a half to two months. Um, <laughs> and so you came here tonight with also pain in your head, right? Yeah. Um, today I was feeling really shaky and I was really being incoherent and I wasn't feeling very good and wasn't sure if I should even come, but um, the last time I was here, Bill um, <laughs> actually um, told anybody that was um, terminal to come up and get prayed for and it was the first day that I actually got here and I came up and I just, oh, it was such a miracle and I was just, oh, in <laughs> such a state of ecstasy and today I just knew I had to come so I came and um, and then this happened. <laughs> awesome. So now uh, we prayed. Bill came up and actually laid hands on you and just took off this, like, in, like um, spirit of trauma. That's right. And uh, tell us what happened. So I had a um, pretty severe headache. My head was throbbing. And he came up, and everybody was praying for me. And I was feeling really happy, but I still had a headache. And he came up, and he asked me if I was still had any pain. And I said yes. And he put his hands on my head and told the spirit of trauma to leave. And I just I don't have any pain in my head anymore. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. Oh. We have a new diagnosis. <laughs> Lord, we just bless what you're doing in this woman. We just thank you, Lord. And we just release healing that would flow out of her head, through her hands, and to people. Yeah. In Jesus' name, Lord, let there be a mantle of healing on this woman. In the grocery store. I mean, serious. Serious healing. People come into her vortex and fall down and get well. In Jesus' name, we pray for that. We pray, God, I just see you in the trauma um, hospital just praying for people that have head injuries. Lord, we just pray for great faith for people that have head injuries to be healed through this woman, too. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, yeah. There's one other testimony as well. Um, Bill was just telling me, uh, there's somebody here, you were here last week. Your mother was here last week, and she got healed of terminal cancer. I'm sorry. Somebody asked if they could give testimony tonight. I don't know if she's still here. It was earlier in the evening. And uh, last week, I had everyone with cancer and or terminal for anything come up to the front. And her mother came up and had cancer on the face. And... uh, and she brought the report tonight that her mother went back to the doctor and no longer has cancer. So. Um, you're like really tall. You, yeah, there's no one's pretty much the tallest guy in the room. And I have a word for you, is that all right? And I saw, in fact, I wrote this, I wrote this one down earlier tonight. And um, I saw numbers, one, two, three, four, five, numbers like that. And I, I was like, I don't know, what does that mean? And um, let me just find it here, because there was, I think there was a specific, sorry. Yeah. And the Lord said, I'm putting everything in your life in order. I'm putting everything in your life in order, and, um, and I'm also giving you the gift to put life in order. And I believe the Lord's giving you this amazing ability to, uh, that he's releasing on you right now. I keep seeing these numbers, one, two, three, four, and they're, they're, on the, um, they're like on a Scrabble board, you know? Not Scrabble's letters, but these are, this is, you know how they have these little pieces? And they're just scrambled everywhere. And I see, the, I see the Lord like putting them in order. It sounds really silly, but it's how I see things. And I see him just taking all this, like, number 99. It's over here, and I see the Lord putting it in the right place. And I see the Lord taking your whole life, and it includes your, your past, your present, and your future. And he's, make, and he's organizing it in a way that makes sense to you from this day forward. And, and, but he's also giving you the ability to do that for other people. And um, I, I have this word for you that most of the people that are around you asking for your help, they have all the right pieces. They're just not all in the right places. And the Lord's going to give you, like, you're going to be the puzzle. What do they call people who put together puzzles, you know? The puzzle put together guy. <laughs> Lord, I need more vocabulary. I, <laughs> problem. Hey, there's hope for you if God can use me. I'll see you putting together puzzles, like people bring their puzzles, um, they come to your house and they have this box of puzzles, and, 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 and first of all, they don't even know what it's supposed to look like, the box is brown box, you know how you normally you have a picture of the puzzle on the box, it's a brown box, and they're like, can you do anything with this, and you're like, immediately you have this picture of what it's supposed to look like, and immediately you know where the pieces go, and you start... It's like, it's not that you give people pieces, it's that you know where they fit. And I see you doing it for organizations and corporations, and I see you doing it for government, and, but, but this is going to really start in your house. People are going to bring you the pieces of, your, of their life, and you're going to put it together, and their life's going to make perfect sense. But the Lord's doing it to you right now. As I speak to you, the Lord is putting the pieces of your life together in a way 
that you're like, you know what, these, I know I need this, 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 but none of this makes sense. My life doesn't make sense. And the Lord says, your life is going to make perfect sense in the next 30 days. He's going to put all these pieces together, things that have happened when you were a little boy. In fact, something about the place you were actually physically born is a piece to this puzzle about where you were going and why you were born there. Why you were born at the day you were born, why you were born early, why you were born at that place, everything. It's going to all fit together, and it was all God-planned, and it has everything to do with your destiny. And so I just pray right now, just put your hand on his, his heart right there. I just pray for this man. Lord, I, just, I thank you that this man is a man of great integrity and great honor. And we're, we're honored to minister to your son. And Lord, I pray that you would take all these things that you created in his life. Some things look like, you know how Jesus was born on a day when the hotel was filled? And that looked like, wow, God, God's planning is not very good. You've been planning this from the foundation of the world, and you didn't even plan a day when there was room in the hotel. But it's all prophetic. Like, it's all supposed to be just the way it happened. And Lord, I bless this man. I thank you for him. And I pray that you would open up understanding so that he would realize that you have been with him all along, that you have his life fully planned, and that it's for good. Jeremiah 29, 11, very popular verse. I know the plans that I have specifically for you. And they are not plans of calamity, but they are plans to give you a future and a hope. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Paul, can you come and take over? Thank you, Lord. You're in the orange shirt. Just come take over. I don't know where the mic is. You're in the orange shirt, bright orange. Yeah, would you stand out right there? Hmm. It's kind of funny because I saw you as a runner and you look like you're a runner, so it doesn't look profound now. I'll say, I see you as a runner. I'm like, oh, whatever. All right. <laughs> That's cheating now. <laughs> but I'll see you as a runner, but I see the Lord, uh, uh, there's a mantle to Deuteronomy. God said to Moses, I'm going to give these people power to make money, the power to make wealth. And I see the Lord releasing a mantle on you to make wealth, but it's not for you. Like God said to Joshua, Joshua, I want you to become successful so that you can lead these people into the land I promised them. So your success is, 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 um, needs to directly correlate to people that God put you with because in your success is their success. And so you have to get past the fact that God wants you to be successful. Um, you know, I don't know. There seems to be something when I'm telling you that you needs to be successful I feel resistance, like it com- it's coming back. And the Lord says, no, no, you need to be successful. It's not for you. It's for your children. It's for your grandchildren. It's for these people that I see around you and this tribe that are another color. There's, this is for them. So you have to be successful so that you can bring them into their promises. And you not being successful is going to keep them out of their promises. You understand, like, this spirit of poverty has to be broken over you, your family lineage, your children, your great-grandchildren, because God has a big plan for you and your family and your tribe. You're supposed to be a tribe of blessing. It was ordained from from the foundation of the world. Something happened three generations ago, but the Lord's restoring the fortunes of Judah. He's restoring the fortunes of Judah He's restoring the fortunes of Judah. He's restoring the fortunes of Judah. And what you thought was a wasteland is going to become an oil well. The people, land nobody wanted. People wouldn't pay you 10 cents for it. And you thought you had inherited a desert, but there's a, there's a gold mine in that desert. And, um, and the Lord's doing something powerful in you. This is, this is a specific day. It's a day of discovery. It's a day of, of hitting oil. It's a, day, it's a day of new beginnings. But this was always ordained in your past. This is, you were like, um, you're like um, a son of kings, like a son of royalty, but something happened three generations ago that, that took your, your, your lineage off track. Uh, I don't want to do anything negative, but 
But, but the point tonight is that the Lord, but the Lord has been waiting for you. You're like, you're like Josiah, whose, whose father was, uh, uh, you know, I'm not saying anything about your natural father, or I need to be careful. I'm not talking about your natural father or your grandfather or anything like that, but Josiah's father was not a good man. His grandfather was worse than him, but Josiah broke a family curse and, and began a lineage, and, and whatever that means in your life, like the Lord is always has ordained your family to be a powerful, royal, noble, integrous family. And you're like Josiah and his family, and you're restoring the foundations of, uh, that were lost three generations ago. It's, a, it's wealth, it's, it's, it's influence, it's power because you have integrity. And the Lord's been waiting for you for generations to rise, even tonight. Your orange shirt, like, it just, it's like, I, you probably didn't do it on purpose, but but it got my attention. If you weren't wearing an orange shirt, I wouldn't have called you out tonight. Just, it, it, I was just ready to be done. But the Lord's, I just saw the orange shirt. And it's like the Lord's uh, focus is on you. His spotlight's on you. His attention is on you. And I just release that to you in Jesus' name. All right. Good job.